Hello and welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to the show. My name is producer JL, and today we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. David Shapiro, the man who runs the website. David, how the heck are you? So just an honest question. Did you change your name to producer? No, that's what Rob always calls me. I just wanted to know because, you know, you kind of introduced yourself as producer JL. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he actually changed his name to that. All right. I'm just going to call you producer from now on. Well, legally, yes. Producer is my first name. JL is my last name. I have completely ruined and upended my own life. (laughs) I'm okay with this. This works. It makes me laugh. So I'm good with it. A hundred percent. Anyways, glad to have you here, Dave. Um, So it's been a very exciting last couple of weeks for the new york rangers um let's let's just get right into it eight in a row looking for nine so just as a point of reference we are recording this the day before the devil's game so it'll come out the same day so it'll come out beforehand so uh if you're listening to this after the fact we don't know what's going to happen i hope to be there um so rangers have won eight in a row including an incredibly exciting stadium series game. Just to touch on things real quick, Dave, in terms of the eight-game winning streak as a whole, what do you see in terms of the team's performance as you know as a whole, and what has really been the catalyst for these eight wins in a row? I mean, it basically leads up to before the All-Star break. Uh, you can kind of have that pinpoint of when Connor Mackey got into the fight, and it just kind of like, you know, piled on from there. So what are your thoughts of just about the streak in general first? It's amazing what happens when the goaltending finally starts goaltending. The, everyone was so focused on the way the Rangers were losing in January. And they, and there were so many people saying this team is terrible, blow up the team, trade everybody, which was honestly a little bit hilarious for me, but hilarious. All you had to do was just take a little bit of a step back. We knew this team had holes at five on five, and we knew that was going to hopefully get addressed at the trade deadline. But once the goaltending and the power play combined both started tanking, that's when the Rangers started to tank. And we've been preaching this, and this is something that Luker preaches all the time. With the way the Rangers are structured, if their goaltending and their power play are even just close to their peak and just close to what we expect from them. So what is this? A 27% power play and just Igor that. being what a nine twenty save percentage goalie. All they need to do is tread water at five on five and they can beat any team in the NHL in a seven game series. And their slump in January coincided with Igor shitting the bed and the, pa- <laughs> excuse me, and the power play shitting the bed at the same time. They can weather one. They can't weather both. Right. Well, the thing that I noticed too, 
at, at least you know bef- prior to the the eight game winning streak it was it was just kind of they looked a bit haggard if i'm using that correctly they just kind of seemed out of it you know uh it kind of seemed like they were on the bit of a grind and you can kind of tell that they weren't really refreshed so to speak you know they were just kind of behind on things you know things were just getting by them really fast um a lot of mental mistakes that you know were are pretty simple in terms of like either defensive play or kind of making the small play that can lead to a bigger play and it just kind of seemed that they were behind that but i feel like once Connor Mackey got into the fight and then you had the all-star break, it kind of it kind of energized them a little bit. Yeah, there were a couple hiccups, you know, here and there in terms of some of the structure, but they were still winning games and they were finding a way to win games. But I think ultimately what ended up becoming sort of like the apex outside of the fight, and we'll jump right into this too, was the stadium series game. Now, obviously, uh, you know, they had won games before that, obviously, but you know, uh, losing Blake Wheeler, which, you know, obviously sucks for the guy, um, kind of was like a blessing in, I don't say blessing in disguise. Cause the way that I don't want to make it sound in like, disguise. yeah, it's, it's a, ble- it's a, it's a blessing in disguise. You know, I, I like, I really, Wheeler too. Yeah. And he's great in the locker room. You know, we're on the same page here. Good guy. Right. Time for an upgrade. Right. And you can tell, you know, I was at the, the, the Montreal game and, once Wheeler got hurt, you know, every it, it kind of like sucked the air out of the building a little bit because, you know, everybody kind of knew what the deal was. Uh, but then when Jimmy VC got on that first line with Mika and Kreider, you it was a huge difference in terms of the pace, the way that they were moving. Jimmy VC, for all intents and purposes, is a lot better than what his contract is. And granted, oh my he's, God, yeah. he's not going to score you 50. But he's matured over the years as like a two-way defensive style player with a lot of skill. People tend to forget this dude won the Hobie Baker uh, Award in in Harvard. And he was highly sought after as a really skilled sort of uh, flashy guy. And while it didn't automatically translate uh, immediately with the Rangers, and he was just kind of like filler towards the end, uh, he really changed the way that he was as a player and, and now fits the mold more of what he uh he fits more of the mold of what the rangers are looking for and it kind of came at the perfect time you know even with gallant and even with laviolette so now we fast forward to the stadium series and obviously with matt rempe coming in uh basically taking the spot of blake wheeler and immediately you notice not only do the first line have a bit more jump but they're producing a bit more now uh, everyone seems to be a bit more cohesive. And then, obviously, with the addition of, you know, Matt Rempe and Adam Edstrom, you know, say what you want about their size. Uh, those dudes are big and they can skate. They are and huge. Can we just talk about the size thing for a second? Because, of course, there are two things I want to point out. One, I have never seen Barclay Goodrow look like a legal midget in my life. And he looked like He's a legal six midget foot compared two. to two. And he looked like he was it, it was like that picture of me next to Tyler and Rob and oh yes, I've seen the okay, and I'm five eleven and I'm like, okay, you guys are <laughs> looking up right now. You guys are tall. And yeah. Goodrow's sick Goodrow's got what three inches on me, and yeah. he's looking up. These guys got a foot on him. It's like it's also uh-huh. like that picture of Kevin Hart and Shaq. Yeah, just about. <laughs> It's 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 crazy. And 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 the thing that I like, at least with La Violette and and once we're done with this, we'll we'll talk about the stadium series, because I would like to elaborate on what happened that day. Um, But 
I what they have right now on that fourth line is I guess something that was missing. And I had noted, and maybe I've said this in the chat, but I've noted this to other people, both publicly and privately as well. Um, and I'm mentioning it here now too. Um, is that they look so much faster and you know, at, you know, before it was a mix of like good row VC and like Pitlick or good row VC and Lysician or, you know, kind of like people plug in oh, or like Riley Nash. And, you know, well, granted, those <laughs> I know it just makes your blood boil. My doesn't fucking it? existence, that kid. Um, uh, so <laughs> I know. So it's nice to finally see just a bunch of big dudes who can skate. Because, you know, I always felt like other teams had players like that where they were just absolutely huge and can skate. And everyone in the chat can vouch for me on this. I was a big Edstrom guy from the beginning. Um, I saw him in a preseason game one time uh, a couple years ago when they first got him. And I saw the way this guy, you know, was striding around the ice. I said, that guy's going to be an impact player. He's probably not going to score you a 50, maybe not even 20, maybe 15. But he's going to make a difference. And I followed him when he was in Hartford. And um, it's nice to see that, at least with like LaViolette, what he's doing is they're taking... And, and, and give credit where credit is due to Dan Muse and um, Michael Pekka, Phil Housley, Peter LaViolette, and the rest of the... Uh, Christian Tamora and the rest of the Rangers coaching staff is they're getting a lot more out of their players now. And we can, you know, we can touch on that too. Um Quick sidebar before we go into the stadium series. Obviously, it was announced that it, Johnny Brodzinski just resigned uh, with a two-year contract for just about league minimum. So tell me, Dave, um, you have a guy like Brodzinski who is basically someone that we didn't really see as someone as a viable option, but because of how well the Rangers are handling their bottom six, what do you see from Brodzinski moving forward in terms of where he's going to play and what his role is? And could he potentially be the one to replace Barkley Goodrow? He is the one that's going to replace Barkley Goodrow. So period, end of story. I think Goodrow is gone and at not the trade deadline, at the draft. I think they find somebody to take him. They buy him out, something to that effect. And I'll do the buyout math. And actually, I can do. I had cap friendly open, so buyout for Goodrow. Actually, interestingly enough, it nets them an extra 250k in cap space next year, and it really doesn't hurt them until no, it doesn't. It's they gain 250k in cap space next year. Then it's a million dollar cap hit. The 26-27 season is a $3.5 million cap hit, which is a little rough. And then it's a million dollars for the next three years. It's really not that big of a deal if they buy him out. And I think they need to at that point. Um, but yeah. in the more immediate future, I know a lot of people think Brodzinski is the answer to the 3C role, especially with the way that line has been clicking. Um that line is on a bit of a PDO binge right now. I think their shooting percentage is like 14%. So that should come down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's great to watch them because they are a lot of fun to watch. And that trio oh, it's just fantastic. drives play. And oh, it lovely. really shows you what Cooley and what Kako can do when they're actually on the right line. Kako drives play with whatever line he's on. And Cooley is just awesome. But I think mm -hmm. they need a more offensive-minded center. And I like Brodzinski and he drives play in all three zones. I think he's better served in a defensive role 
if you can get a fourth line of VZ Brzezinski and Goodrow heading into the playoffs with Edstrom, Pitlick, Belzeal, maybe not so much Belzeal, Ed, Edstrom, Pitlick, and um, oh my God, Rempe. Good God, how did I forget Rempe? <laughs> <laughs> Nine feet tall, and I forgot his name. Uh, I think that's fine. Yeah, well, close enough. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to them acquiring like a Yakov Trenin from Nashville, who's stellar in the defensive zone mm-hmm. as insurance on Brzezinski or Goodrow or just as an extra body to keep some of the lesser players away, right. specifically the Belzeals, the Pitlicks, and the lots of consonants. Lecision. For the record, I want to clarify, he's the bane of my existence because I can't I, I spend like five minutes every time I have to write out his name making sure I spell it right. That's the problem, is his last name. You know, he, he's a prototypical four A player. I've created a mnemonic device to spell it right. I have this thing where I tend to spell long names pretty well. Like I can spell Neuenheis, I can spell Minkavich, Lecision, and a bunch of other names all pretty well. Kosciuszko, I think I can spell it too, but yeah, I, I just I'm just like that. So I can't, I can't understand your frustration on that one, but Jake Lecician, nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I have nothing against him personally, except for his last name. That's it. Well, you can thank, you um, can thank his dad for that. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, back on topic. Um, Brodzinski is a fourth liner of the future. And I happen to think the way Chris Drury is handling the fourth line now instead of trying to sign guys like Reeves and Goodrow and whomever the hell else he tried to sign to fill this role, he's doing it the right way by finding the right guys who play the role right, who are tough to play against. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you want to say, oh, they don't have a guy that's going to punch somebody, fine. Find the flaw. I'm okay with that. I really don't know. You kind of do. About that. Well, I'm 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 honestly I'm perfectly okay with riding with Matt Rempe for the time being. So oh, yeah, the time being, I'm fine. You know, I think he's a good depth option. I you know I I was I I kind of tend to have a thing for like bigger players because I feel like you know Range Ranger uh, us as Ranger fans have never really seen anything like that over the years where we've just kind of had like a I, I think the last one I can honestly think of that really made a difference was Brian Boyle. You know, someone who was oh, big man. and a net front presence and somebody who could, uh, you know, make a difference, at least just kind of in his own zone, purely based off of his size. So I think I think Rempe is a lot better than what it lets on. And I think in a fourth line role, I think it's perfect because if you think about it, there are not many teams that really have bigger first lines anymore. Now, there's obviously a defensive sort of uh, concern about that in terms of whether they're fast enough to hold up. But if you're only playing seven minutes a night, I don't think that's really too big of a deal. But anyways, but yeah, Johnny Brodzinski, when he definitely signed, I definitely thought that he was going to 100% be the replacement of Barclay Goodrow. So with that being he said, oh, 100%. So that being said, let's jump right into the stadium series. Uh, so I had the pleasure of attending this game. And it was very cold. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, I was bundled up pretty well. I am kind of feeling the effects of it a little bit. Um, I'll just say this in terms of like the way that it was done. The sight lines were good. MetLife Stadium is a very impersonal stadium just from the look of it. Okay. It's not a very inviting place to be. 
you know, because a lot of stadiums nowadays are very, you know, into the fan experience, like Yankee Stadium, where you want to look at Mystique and Aura and look at a bunch of people who are way past their prime. And when you go to City Field, you get a lot of bunch of stuff and watch a baseball team that's not very good, you know, but there's the fun <laughs> around it, you know. So they might be okay this year, but as you can tell, I'm a Mets fan. So when you go to MetLife, you know, obviously they share both stadium. They share the, the stadium with both teams. So it's very gray, very generic. The seats are basically, they look like concrete. But I will say the NHL did a great job with the design of just the outline outside the rink. They had uh, these people. Uh, it, it was very strange. I, I saw the explanation why they did it online, but they tried to make it seem like... Uh, they had these people, like there was somebody walking a dog, they were, like around the I ring. I saw were, that. What the yeah. hell was that? So they they had somebody walking a dog, like they had like a corgi and a guy with a dog. They had like a bunch of kids like twirling hula hoops. They had somebody who, getting a stroller, and what they were looking for was kind of like this like backyard street sort of thing. Because then on the other side of the ice, you know, um, behind the other side of the net, they had like the little street hockey. Uh, things so the one side had the Flyers and the Devils logo and the other side had the Rangers and the Islanders logo so they had like a little they would have street like little street hockey ball hockey games in between intermission and then obviously on the longer side of the rinks you kind of had the display screen where you had this that had the score for each team and then on the other side was kind of the concert thing uh, I will say this New Jersey Transit I'm calling you out. You are terrible. I can't wait to see you mess up when the World Cup happens because it's 70,000 people and you goofed up. And then in terms of just kind of the space, you had 79,000 people. Uh, the concourses are packed during intermission. Everybody just goes into at once. It's just about the same when you go to a Jets game. Um, and they kind of dropped the ball on that too. Um, as far as the sight lines, like they were pretty good. Um even though the stadium is very high, at least from where I was. Um, and I looked at some other videos of other people in different sections. There was really not a bad seat in the house. You could see the puck very well. And I thought initially going into it that I was going to have trouble. So I was contemplating buying a bunch of binoculars. But then again, I realized I'm not that old. So I think I can see at a pretty reasonable distance. Um, but it turned out to be pretty good. You can see a lot. The crowd was insane. You definitely more Ranger fans. I enjoyed every second of it. I thought that was an experience like if if you ever if they ever have another and I, I'll tell this to you and I'll tell this to everybody listening. If you were there, you understand what I mean. If if anyone didn't get a chance to go, if they ever have another outdoor game, whether it's in MetLife again or whether it's in I've heard rumors that they wanted might want to do one at the stadium in Rutgers or, you know, either in another baseball stadium like City Field again or Yankee Stadium, do it. It is worth it. Depending on the weather. It was reasonable enough for me and my my asthma to do it. Um, it. It's it's definitely an experience, and and definitely them coming back. And we'll touch on that right in a second. Them coming back just added to the whole like allure of it. And I make this comparison. I saw this on on Twitter X now, whatever. That Ranger fans made the Devils game the night prior sound like a library, and I can hundred percent confirm that. So that was just my experience with it. Um, and in terms of the game, I want to get your thoughts, Dave, because it was kind of, you know, it was kind of up and down, so to speak, but they ended up evening out. Igor didn't look that great towards the beginning. They got that easy goal off the rip with Gustafson uh, against Sorokin, then Rempe fought. What did you think overall of their effort towards the beginning? And what did you see them do to kind of 
hold the Islanders at bay and, and keep the game from basically getting away from them. So first things first, um, it's tough to really fault either goalie. Outdoor games are tough. Shadows, sunlight. It's just tough to track the puck. Shadows are a bitch when you're trying to track the puck, by the way. And quick sidebar, just to add to that, they delayed the game, I think, an extra 35 minutes. I think it started around 345. I, I, I was too busy trying to get in. I didn't really keep track of time. When I got to the when I got there, it said it was going to start in 30 minutes. So had to have been at least around 3:45 because of the sun and the wind. So that definitely plays a part in what you're talking about. Yeah, we love playing hockey in the elements, and then we don't like the elements, which is just kind right. of funny to me. But I, I was a little annoyed because I heard four o'clock, and then at four o'clock, I you know get the stream going, and the Rangers. I missed the Gustafson goal. And then I started watching, and then the Islanders scored like five in a row. I'm like, what the fuck? But from an on-ice standpoint, the Rangers weren't slow. They weren't lacking anything. It's just the way the game went. Igor let in one bad one. I think it was the third goal or the second goal. I think it was the Horvat one that was pretty Yeah, that one. That was the bad goal. And then when the Islanders made it 3-1, I said to pull him, not because of the way he was playing, he had the one bad goal, but because sometimes that's a bit of a jolt. Sorry, no, I said pull him after the fourth, call the timeout after the third. Um, right. They just needed a bit of a, a reset because the Islanders were coming out fresh. They hadn't played in a week. And the Rangers didn't have that kind of energy. But as they settled into the game, you saw why the Islanders are frauds. And this isn't a Rangers-Islanders, <laughs> you know, rivalry thing. The Islanders are not a good team. They're not. They're only in a playoff spot because they have 14 overtime losses or shootout losses, whatever the new standing thing is now. They change it every fucking year. I can't keep up anymore. Um, they're, that's the only reason why they're in a playoff spot right now. The only reason why they're ahead of the Devils, in my opinion, is because they know how to get to overtime. Right. And the Rangers exposed them. They are not good defensively, which is kind of funny because Barry Trotz made them into a stellar defensive team. And now look at them. Um, they can't kill a penalty to save their lives. And they rely way too much on Ilya Sorokin. You're basically looking at that immediate post lockout Rangers team that. Oh, boy. Yeah. Th- all they did was rely on Lundqvist. And that was it. Sorokin is a very good goalie, but the Rangers weren't doing anything wrong in that game. They just kind of needed to let the Islanders get that, you know, newborn energy out and then let, you know, the big boys take over. And that's what happened. Right. And and one of the things that I noticed, too, was that as the game progressed, you know, obviously with the sun coming down, that also definitely played a factor. But I noticed after the timeout, uh, they were way more aggressive in terms of the puck battles into the corners and the new neutral zone play was a lot better. Um, as the game went on, you know, the Islanders were just throwing anything on Igor and it kind of, it kind of hurt them in a way because they thought, I guess they initially thought that we'll throw anything on the net and it'll go in. 
But what they fail to realize is that once Igor gets into the zone, he's really not going to let anything else in. The Romanov goal, which made it 5-3 after the Rangers made it 4-3. Oh, that one pissed me off. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was ridiculous. It was a deflection off of Brodzinski's stick. And also the fact that Lindgren had gotten hit in the face. Follow through. Yeah, right. So Lindgren's down. So that was something they lucked into. So while the, the comeback was great, it really shouldn't have happened. But I'll take it either way. And another thing I noticed, too, at least in, in, in just terms of players and individual effort, um, I thought Edstrom looked great. I thought Rempe looked awesome. You know, that fourth yeah, line did, did its job. Uh, you met, you, we talked, you talked about Will Cooley. That dude has a motor. And him and, oh, like yeah. we mentioned before, him and Kako work very well. Excuse me. And, and they were just kind of just wearing the Islanders down. And when you talk about the Islanders' defense, they could not keep up, which caused them to take a lot of lazy penalties. And then obviously you got Mayfield's trip, which, I find it funny. There were a lot of Islander fans like basically saying, oh, he dove. But if you look at the replay and you could even see it from when I was there, you know, when I was there, you saw it. Mayfield literally swatted his stick at Lafreniere's foot. It's like no denying it. And then obviously there was the one in the corner behind the net. And then obviously at some point, the power play is going to definitely break out. You can't, you can't, that power play is too good for them not to just continue to be that bad for extended periods of time so i think it was a, also it was a great call by la violette to pull shesterkin on that four on four to give them the man advantage that was then, a great call great it was great call. i forgot about right that. it was great and it was gutsy because now you see them playing with this you know they had already picked it up to make it a closer game it was five three and you see this kind of like they were they were kind of slowly building up this sort of um, this the momentum where they were just working harder and harder and harder and harder, and they were wearing them down and down, wearing them down, wearing them down, and they just Islanders could not keep up, and you could see it. And I'll give credit where credit is due. Mika Zibanejad looked phenomenal as well. I'm hoping that this is the start of something else uh, in terms of like just consistency. He looked great the other night against Dallas, which we'll briefly touch on, and it just culminated in this sort of just explosion of just offense and then obviously you know they tie the game and i was actually a little concerned that the islanders were going to just like get a loose one because you know that's what happens with all my sports teams is they like to let me down in the worst way possible thanks mets um so then when they went into overtime i'll say this i was looking i looked at my phone when the islanders won the draw quick glance because i thought okay well you know i gotta move it around and quick it out quick pass out but then dobson just whiffed on it and ultimately led to what we saw and when that happened i knew it was going to count that was no problem there were people around me that were like oh no it's not going to count it's not going to count no no i know the rule no, that, very that was well. very clearly counting it was yeah it was very easy to see that it was going to count islander fans next to me were like no it's not going to count you know we knocked the net off i'm like you'll see and then we've seen the videos we've heard the sound the eruption of that stadium just collectively that was pure pandemonium and it was probably that's probably the second best game i will honestly say i've ever been to and the rangers really lived it lived up to the you know to the hype uh first would be the panarin overtime winner in uh 2022 for the first round so now after the stadium series we're on a bunch of high not even two days later we go right back into it against dallas so just briefly dave 
what did you see from the Rangers? Did you, first of all, did you expect the letdown? Because I certainly did. What did you see from the Rangers in terms of did they carry anything from Sunday into uh, Tuesday night? And what was outside of, you know, obviously we know Igor Shesterkin played his mind off, played a bunch of wonderful saves. What else did you see in terms of either some individual players or just kind of like evaluating the team as a whole? Like, what did you see from the Rangers that kind of really led to them winning the other night? So you're putting me on a spot here because bedtime for both of my kids is seven o'clock and we had a little bit of trouble. So I missed most of the first period and then there was a little bit of up and down. So I wasn't as in tune with the game as I like to be. And that's been a problem all day. So let me rephrase that, but give me your, give me your observations of what you saw from what you were able to see, because I know you look at the stats and I look at the charts and I know that you, you definitely do make a lot of good evaluations, even if there are certain instances where you don't see most of the game. So what did, what did you, from what you were able to see, what did you take from uh, their effort and from what the stats show and what some of the numbers were to put out? So, I did expect a letdown. I did not expect Shesterkin to stand on his head the way he did. So Shesterkin stole that game. I don't think anybody is going to deny that. And we got front and center what he and Benny Allaire were working on, which is high glove. And if you remember, Lundqvist had the same damn issue. Oh, God, when was that? 2013, 2014? It was the year he signed his contract extension is when he had that problem. Yeah. Yep. And listen, this is the NHL. So players are going to pick up on that and they're going to keep targeting that. So what I found to be funny was Dallas was trying to pick that corner all night long. 100%. And that glove save on. So it's not the Sagan save. It's the other one, the glove save. I forgot who took that shot. I think that, it was uh, Jamie Ben. That was Jamie Ben. Oh, yeah. I forgot who made the joke about, you know, it was the last time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody made a joke about Ben. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) But that save, I'm not sure how many people remember what Lundquist would do when he had those high glove chances. He looked exactly like Henrik Lundquist. Yeah. Uncanny. Like, I actually, like, I knew I was watching Shesterkin. But I was like, holy shit, Like that looked like vintage Lundqvist. And same goalie coach, same issue. Not surprising that what worked for Hank worked for Shesterkin. And that was the key takeaway. That and good God, that bottom six is so much fun to watch. Oh, it's incredible. It's amazing. I don't think it's a playoff bottom six. But they are so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And also, it was fun to see, you know, Zibanejad actually contributing over the last couple of games. But right. that's it's just refreshing. a whole other fucking topic. Right. They So I'll say this about the bottom six, because I, 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 like you, missed some of the game. But I, I got to catch really most of the tail end of the I, most of the tail end of the first, second and third period I caught. And one of the things I noticed was, uh, at least in terms of continuing from the stadium series game into that game on Tuesday was just the tenacity of Cooley, Kako and Brodzinski, which, you know, it was really nice to see them resign him, you know, literally the day after. Um, and it was, it was just nice to see them going into the corners, 
you know, battling for pucks. And Kako looked phenomenal when he scored that goal. You know, they just moved it around, opened up the space, and Kako picked the corner on a moving goaltender. Like it was Wedgwood. It wasn't uh, Ottinger at the time. So, you know, that was, uh, uh, you know, that was nice to see. And, you know, just again, looking at Rempe and Edstrom just kind of doing their thing. There was a couple of uh, clips. Uh, I saw, obviously, I saw this, you know, when the game was happening, was of Rempe and Edstrom just hitting people. And, I mean, that's a lot of body coming at you at six six eight and a half and doesn't matter how strong you are doesn't matter how good you are that's a big boy two big boys coming at you and that's it's actually a blessing for the rangers to have two guys like that because if you think about it when they're going to hit somebody it is almost impossible for them to target the head unless they throw an elbow exactly like they're just gonna wind if there's a check to the head it's gonna be because he either lifted his elbow or just ran straight into, you know, his chest, basically. Like, uh-huh. there's no way for them to deliver a headshot. Absolutely not. And, again, you mentioned the skating. I mentioned the skating, and you just talk about their size. So I, I just think they looked more like a cohesive unit. And then, you know, obviously, Keandre Miller looked really good. You know, Peter Laviolette basically, you know, spoke, I think it was today, or even or yesterday after the game, and basically praised Keandre Miller's effort. And that's one thing, and, and this will be the last we'll touch on before we go on to the deadline, was that, you know, obviously he mentioned once that, you know, he wants to try and get Kako out there more, which is phenomenal news, because, you know, Kako can definitely be a, a, a game changer, you know, in terms of the role that he's currently in. But in terms of Keandre, I think Keandre is kind of like the silent glue for this defense. You know, Jacob Truba has done a really good yes. job at kind of leaning him in to the into the into the National Hockey League. It's basically been his really only his D partner from all his years here, if you think about it. And the one thing that he does very well is move the puck. And when he has that confidence with the puck, he's able to defend a lot better because he's not overthinking. And Laviolette praised Keandre and arguably had one of his best games the other night. So um, that was definitely one thing that I was. Uh, definitely happy to see so all right so uh since we don't have any questions which you know tends to happen every so often uh we're gonna go into our final segment where we're basically going to start spitballing a bunch of names that we've heard for the trade deadline so obviously we have all of our preferences but now there have been some sort of uh hints in terms of who the rangers might target so dave just give me a uh, either a couple of names that you've heard or a couple of names that you want. I kind of know where you're going to go with this because we have this conversation basically almost five times a day in the chat. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and obviously we can, we've had this conversation, you know, with different player names. But just give me an idea of who the Rangers are potentially rumored to go after and who should they go after according to you. All right. So. I'm going to start with Seattle because that's the team du jour. The Rangers were scouting them. We have confirmation that they were at least in on one player um, that is going to remain nameless at this point because it is not something that is publicly available. So we're going to keep that name off the list. Is it really? What we were told is not publicly available. So oh, that's right. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. Okay, no, I, I hear what yep. you're saying. You're thinking okay. Wenberg. Yes, I am thinking. Okay. I'm thinking yeah. somebody else. Um, okay. Wenberg yeah. is fine. He's fine. He <laughs> adds offense to the third line, which I think they, 
let me rephrase that. He adds more consistent offensive potential to the right. third line as a center. I, again, I love Johnny Brodzinski. I think he's a good hockey player. I think he's best served as a fourth liner. Or if you remember the 2014 Rangers team, that fourth line of Boyle, Dorset, and more, that's what you want as your fourth line. That's mm-hmm. Brodzinski, VZ, and insert player on the right wing there. Right. Your third line was Pouliot, Zouk, Broussard. Broussard. So that is your tertiary scoring line. That is where you need to find talent that can put the puck in the net, that can drive play, and can keep the puck in the offensive zone. That's why you need somebody like Wenberg at $4.5 million as, as an ex, uh, uh, as a pending free agent. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. He's not my specific target. I still like Jordan Eberle. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I, I I like Jordan Eberle. I I think that's actually a pretty good fit for that top line because he he's played in New York, you know. He he has playoff experience and he's a sniper. A lot of people I feel like a lot of people tend to forget how good that kid's shot is. Like I remember when he came kid, into the he's league. He's like a he's oh shit, he's only 33. Yeah, he came into the league I think Whoa. 19. Holy and had, shit. And he, and that's exactly <laughs> that just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not old. He's just he's experienced. You know, he's got those good he's got those um those Islander years where he was just, you know, really good for them. And yeah, he was I, really good for them. And you know, when you mentioned Eberle in the chat, I'm for it a hundred percent. He's actually a guy that I wanted, you know, way back in the day. I thought he would he fits this team like a glove. And he's perfect, he for a, you know, he's perfect for a guy like for guys like Kreider and Zibanejad. And this is just my reasoning for it. Obviously, you might have different reasonings for it. But basically what people saw in Frank Vetrano uh, two years ago is essentially what Eberle would offer with more. Yes. Thank you. you. Know? Somebody and, else and, fucking sees this. I'm so sick of it, Frank fucking Vetrano. And look, I, I, I really, like the guy. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the right fit. Right. Sorry. No. And, and, you know, no, you're, you're good. Cause I agree with you. Look, I do like Frank Vetrano. If they somehow managed to reacquire him, which I don't know why they would, because he has term, um, you know, okay, fine. We run with that. But, um, you get a, if you can, if you can finagle your way into a guy like Eberle, you know, you're adding a bona fide sniper to that line. And he could also make the, he can also, like, he's just an overall good player. Like he can pass he's and good. he can shoot. He is. And he was oh he was he was kind of I really always reminded me of what Jeff Skinner was to Carolina, where every time he played the Rangers, he always almost scored a goal. And I feel like it, it also similar to like Blake Como, where every time they played the Rangers, they oh scored. fuck that guy, I know, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. So I I think at least in the in the wing aspect. You can get a guy like an Eberle who can just fire the puck in certain spots. Because if you look at the way Kreider and Zibanejad play, is they defer to each other a lot, and they have their own, you know, they have their own style, their own chemistry. But there's somebody missing on that line that can ring the puck around or make the quick play, which is why Jimmy VC fits in with them so well for the time being. Yeah. So I think when you add that extra talent with Eberle, um you're really bolstering that and you can actually create two top scoring lines. Cause obviously you're not going to touch, you know, Lafreniere, Trocek and Panarin, obviously. So 
you give that top line a boost with Eberle. Excuse me. me, What other names do you uh, have you heard or seen? All right. I'm going to do rapid fire here. Yanni Gord has an extra year left. Not happening. Oliver Bjorkstad. Love the guy. Two extra years at 5.4 million. Not happening. Yanni Gord, by the way, is 5.16 million. I'm looking at um, cap friendly here. 5.16 million for that extra year. Doable, but only if um, what's his face? Heedle is not returning next season. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think signing Brodzinski means no Yanni Gord. That's just yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, other guys with expiring contracts, Justin Schultz on the blue line, not what they not what they need at all. Um, Eli Tolvanen would be interesting, but not really. I don't want Tomas Tatar at all. No. No shot. Uh, Tyler Yamamoto. I remember he was like the next big thing, and then he's not overly good. And you're really only looking at Seattle, too. That's the funny part. Yeah, I'm just looking at Seattle. You want me to go to uh, the next one, which right. today yeah. the Rangers have two scouts at the Blackhawks. Um, who the fuck are they playing tonight? Uh, Flyers game. Okay. okay. Let's go to the, Let's go to Chicago. All right, Chicago. Oh, Philip Kirsch. Tyler Johnson, fuck you, hell no. Yeah. Tyler no, Johnson no is awful. Absolutely I terrible. Um, I can't see Chicago trading Anthony Beauvillier. Well, um, actually, that might that might not that might not be as far fetched as you think, honestly. Really? Because I think I just have this feeling that they're gonna try and draft his replacement in terms of, I mean, obviously they're like really under the cap, but um I feel like if the Rangers were to go up to the Blackhawks and say, hey, we have this offer from you, like futures, I think they'll take it. And and there's nothing against Anthony Beauvillier. I like Anthony Beauvillier. I just I think I think I think Chicago would trade him if the price is right. All right. Uh, fair. So, uh, Colin Blackwell. Oh, we're going to revisit that one. <laughs> so I, I know he's a Luker favorite. I'm just checking. What uh, so again? I'm just checking charts to get a general idea. Chart one chart does yeah. not tell a story unless it's unless it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Colin Blackwell, uh, believe it or not, does not have a great chart. Multi season or uh, single season this year is actually much better. Um, eh, one point two million probably comes cheap for like a fifth rounder. Not yeah. really a big deal. I heard uh, just uh, sorry, Jason. No, Justin Tanforth, right? You mean Jason that... Dickinson? No, yes, Dickinson. I heard yeah, his Dickinson. name mentioned, but they re-signed him. That's they not happening. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was just um, to kind of get them out the cap floor, too, because they did the same thing yeah. with Nick Felino. So I highly doubt yeah, that if someone were to come to them and say, hey, you want this guy? And the Blackhawks are not going to say no. They're not winning the cup in the next couple of years. So why not? You know? So um, kind of Bedard, but I don't think he's a fit. Um, <laughs> before anybody clips that, I'm fucking kidding. Uh, you say that so casually, David. <laughs> uh, Jared Tenorti might be the perfect fit on the blue line. They need oh, another geez. giant. Why not? Oh, my gosh. Again, I'm kidding. Yeah. People it, just a quick just a quick bit on Tenorti. I, I went to the. It was essentially Bedard's first. Oh, well, no, I don't think. He, did he even? Yeah, he played that day. It was uh, Rangers Blackhawks. Tenorti just looked so lost. I'm just so glad we got rid of him. It was bad. I mean, we, oh, they, God. they, they worked circles around him. So mm-hmm. have fun with him, Chicago. Yeah. And then Philly, the only name 
that they're going to dangle right now is going to be um, why am I drawing blank? Scott Lawton, who you really have to take a step back and think the Flyers are in a playoff spot. Why would they dangle somebody like Scott Lawton if they're in a playoff spot and they think he adds value to the team? He's not right. a good hockey player. I no. put up the chart. I, I know, again, a chart doesn't tell the whole story, but when the chart looks as bad as it, as Nick Benino's chart, it tells a little bit of the story. Right. So, fuck no, especially with another two years at $3 million left. You guys hate Goodrow? You're going to hate Lawton. Right. And, and Rob noted uh, in the chat, and I noticed this too watching the Flyers Devils game on Saturday. He just didn't look good out there on the ice. You know, you you know, generally with players like that, or basically how Barkley Goodrow operated for the first two years of his contract year, was you saw the redeeming qualities, whether it was winning the draw, being good on the penalty kill, having some sort of speed, you know, kind of adding some kind of jolt. Um, and just like Barkley Goodrow, which I'm a little disappointed on him this year, uh, Scott Lawton is essentially the same thing. So there's, that's kind of more of a lateral move than anything. Yep. You want to go to uh, Fun One, Arizona? I mean, sure. Absolutely. Jason Zucker. That wouldn't be so bad, actually. That wouldn't. And he's only signed to a one year contract, if I'm correct, right? Jason Zucker is signed to a one year contract exp- expiring this year, $5.3 million. They the Rangers will have close to six million in cap space once they send Rempe and Belzeal down. So technically that does fit. Um and more than likely that's he, probably gonna get retained. So they yeah, fit that more. Yep. I think that'd be great. Honestly, I uh, he's such a pain in the butt against us when he was on Pittsburgh. Yep. So I think Nick Bugstad would be in the conversation had they not re-signed Johnny Brzezinski. Mm-hmm. With an extra, and the only reason why is the extra year left, two point one million, doable. You can shift him to right wing. I'm okay with that. I'd rather leave right for right wing open for an Edstrom Rempe competition next season. Yeah. but I, I wouldn't be upset over Nick Bugstad. He's very good. I, I have no idea mm-hmm. that guy's last name, by the way. Um, then on defense, Matt Dumba probably not what they need. Um, no. I have no idea who Josh Brown is. None. I have no fucking idea. Like he's just got such a vanilla name. I have absolutely Josh no Brown. idea who he is. Nope. I don't think he'd be a fit. I I honestly think the the answer on defense is already in the organization. I, I oh don't, god. I oh my god. I looked at his chart. That that nope nope <laughs> nope nope. That's he's why we don't defense. know about him. Nope. He is the defense version of Scott Lawton. Yeah, um, no, we're good. Travis Dermott is actually an interesting option. Wow. That's a name. Travis Dermott. I know. It's a name. He's wow. interesting. He's not the best option, but he's an interesting option. But, but now we have to think in terms of defense. You know, we already have, they already have Zach Jones. Um, I think he's getting traded at the deadline. You think so? That's actually not I, that bad of an assessment. I actually kind of think he is too. I think he is gone. I think Matthew Robertson is gone. They both have been, they're hitting that point where their return is diminishing. And this is really the best time to trade them. Unless they think Jones is going to be part of the team next season. I Which think I mean, I wouldn't be against. And I, I wouldn't you know, be against it either. I just you know. think at this point, they just don't have spots on the team. So right. trade them while you can. 
yeah, get something out of it. Maybe maybe throw them in a package for like a forward. Maybe maybe get something back that can give you a a good asset too. Yeah, uh, I I kind of have a dark horse one here. Uh, it's not going to happen, but one kid can dream. Uh, Clayton Keller. The Rangers really wanted Keller at the draft. I think that was the draft that they almost traded McDonough to Edmonton for the fourth overall yeah. to get Keller. I think that was the, the year they traded Cam Talbot, if I'm correct, in that draft. Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. They, re- they really – I think this one was confirmed by McKenzie, Bob McKenzie. Um, the Rangers were going to trade Ryan McDonough to Edmonton for – the fourth overall, but then Columbus selected, I think it was Pierre-Luc Dubois. Mm-hmm. And that threw off the entire draft. So yeah. Edmonton held on to their pick. Yep. And I forgot who, who I think I forgot who Edmonton took in that draft. I don't let's even see. remember the Clayton Keller draft. Well, let's find out Clayton. Yeah. I'm Googling Clayton. This too. First thing that comes up for Clayton is Clayton Kershaw. This is, we're not talking baseball right now. Not yet. Save that for the summer podcasts. All right. Um, okay, so here we go. Jesse Pugliarvi was supposed to go third overall to Columbus. Columbus took Dubois. Uh-huh. So Edmonton was like, hell no, we're taking Pugliarvi. And Vancouver fucked up their own pick. And yeah, and then no. Calgary took Matthew to, uh, Matthew Kachuk, which is mm-hmm. the by um, not by far the best pick in the draft, but by far the second best pick in the draft. Yeah, because, you know. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. And then <laughs> Keller went seventh to Arizona. So another what if trivia. What if Columbus took Puyarvi? The Rangers right. would have had Keller. And it's interesting, interesting to note. Right. And, it, and it's interesting to note, too, that, you know, this was one of the years where the Rangers basically traded out uh, the first round. And I guess they were, like you said, they were trying to get back in, which is something that's a good problem we don't have to deal with nowadays because it did kind of get old watching the first first round of the NHL draft and not seeing your team there, you know, it kind of became frustrating. I think this might've, that might've been, let's see, this pick was to Detroit. So that might've been one of the picks they sent over. It's from New York Rangers from Arizona. So that's probably the Keith Yandel trade. So, and they, the, the oh, Red God, Wings, pick, the Red Wings trade. got it from Arizona and they got Dennis Chalowski really moving the, really moving the dial on that one so i guess um a couple more names that i have and i'm just gonna spitball on a bunch of random teams um so obviously frank vetrano is a name that's been thrown around you know hold up hold up wait before we get to that who's the guy that you think is the defensive replacement on the team connor mackey and said that he's already in the organization oh no i was talking about zach jones Oh, okay, okay. I was, okay. No, yeah. I was talking about Zach Jones, 100%. But, I mean, Connor Mackey didn't look that bad. I don't see why they wouldn't want to use him as kind of like an eighth defenseman. You He's know? certainly better than Ben fucking Harper. Well, I kind of have a soft spot for him for when he punched Corey Perry, Corey Perry in the face. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know, that was nice. Um, just a bunch so of... So you went to the Ducks, huh? What's that? You went to the Ducks with Fr- Frank Vitrano? Yeah, well, I'm just spitballing on names that I've heard, you know, or just yeah. names that have been thrown around. So I, obviously, Frank Vetrano is one of them. That's gonna. Yeah. Uh, there are people that are predicting that they're gonna trade for him again. Uh, his name has ne- definitely been up in just conversations. Uh, same team, Adam Henrique. You know, as much as yeah. Ranger fans don't want to hear that, Adam Henrique is a very adept uh, setter who can play the wing. But I think, like you said, with the signing of uh, Brodzinski, I think that kind of rules that out. Um, 
Uh, I don't know why I'm naming all Anaheim. Uh, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, again, heard that it's name fair. thrown around. Which, honestly, that's probably the only one that I would honestly really consider bringing back because of how well he played and how much he wanted to be here, which I think kind of led up to really him taking that one-season contract with Ottawa because I really think he was trying to, he's trying to finagle his way back in here. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rangers land him. I don't think he's going to come as expensive as people think. No. He's definitely not going to be the same price that he was from St. Louis. No, no. And, and and if you actually look at that, that price actually wasn't that steep when you look at it all. It really wasn't. Hunter Skinner, a first, I think it was another part, uh, and Sammy Blay. Sammy Blay. Yeah, so it, that wasn't too bad. So I think now it'll probably take, what, probably like a second or a third, probably, and maybe a fringe prospect, if anything, but it won't be as I, robust. I think it would be something like Robertson and a mid-round pick. Robertson yeah. in a second if the Rangers can swing it. I, the Rangers don't have many mid-round picks, which is the problem. Right. Um, just looking real quick. They have a first and a second this year, so I'd expect the second to be dangled before the first. They don't have a third until 2026. They don't have – after this year, they don't have a second for the next two years. Those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. They traded one of their fourths away, but they're going to get a fourth back from the Lundquist, the Niels Lundquist trade. Mm-hmm. They have a, a bunch of fifths, sixths, and sevenths, but it's the first right. three rounds that, out of nine picks, they only have five. Right. Uh, just a couple other names that I kind of trying to take off the top of my head. Uh, Tommy Chris Novak. Tanev. Tommy Chris Novak. Tan- that's one. Uh, Chris yeah. Tanev. I don't know. I, well, that's a lot of contract to take on a lot, a lot of cap hit to take on for this year, but right. he is very, very good defensively. If he, but you're trading for him. Who's he, who's coming out of the lineup? Well, nobody, honestly, it's just, that's it's the just problem. the name that I heard. Yeah. You know. Like they can't have everybody. No, well, it's not a, it's not a video game, so it's not NHL yeah, 24. Um, fucking I NHL keep, franchises. I it's like. so bad. I know. And they and they it's funny they follow me on Twitter which I try not to be too critical, but sometimes I just can't help it. Uh what I, I just hate them for brainwashing the entire anybody that plays their game thinks that a two-way contract means that you can pass through waivers. No. And that's not I, how it I, works. That's the thing that <laughs> yes. And it's, it's not, not that hard. I was a computer science major. I know I haven't coded in god knows how fucking long. But it's not that hard to add an if statement. If career games equals, insert number here, 280. Right. Has to go through waivers. Get rid of the one-way, two-way contract bullshit because it's just salary. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Sorry, that was a rant. Back to the National Predators, Tommy <laughs> Novak. Tommy Novak. I, You know, I, I never really knew much about him until uh, you guys started mentioning him. I, I mean, I knew he played for Nashville. I just kind of thought that he was just kind of a guy. But then more that I look at it, I think Tommy Novak would be a, a decent addition to this team. I feel like he's got a bit of a an engine on him, which would actually fit very well with this team. He's feisty. He yes. is very good offensively. Um, defense is a problem. This year, he's gotten a lot better than his last couple of seasons, and it's not like Mika and Kreider are slouches defensively either, so right. they'd be able to cover. So, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Holy shit. I meant Cooley and Kako. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's it's getting late, playing, Dave. I understand. He'd be the, yes, I know. It's almost past my bedtime already. <laughs> he would be the third-line center, the offensive third-line center, 
mm-hmm. and that would move Brodzinski down the lineup. So right. Novak would be playing with Cooley and with Kako, and Kako can certainly cover any defensive deficiencies that Novak brings. Right. Wow. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good, Dave. Um, and I guess just a couple other names before we wrap up. Um, Victor Olofsson is one. Uh, and then you have... Uh, Where is he nowadays? Oh. He's in, he Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah, he's still still? in Buffalo. Yeah, still Buffalo. Yeah. Well, let me I, check that crap head. He's not terrible. Well, I think but... I think when it comes to Olafson, I think it's more for his offense because he's kind of like a power play kind of guy. Um, I think he's at four point seven five, and he is a pending UFA. So um, he has the skill to kind of this... be, you know, to kind of be sort of like an offensive type of guy, but. Um, so I honestly think if they're going to do that, yeah. Is it that he has that offensive skill or is it that he only scores against the Rangers? <laughs> no, it's not even that he only scores against the Rangers. Cause then if that's the case, then just give me JJ Paterka then. Cause he only oh, scores against the Rangers. I too. like JJ Paterka. I do too. Actually. He's actually a really good player for Buffalo. Oh, I tell my wow. friend that all the time. First um, off, only has four goals this year, 35 games. But the, th- the thing with Buffalo is just that, you know, I, I've i had the pleasure of watching them live a couple times. It, it's just the, their their system just does not sync well with that un- with those units. Uh, it's really big of coaching problem. Olofsson has a shot. Olofsson is a good player. I've seen him do very well. And I think that if they were to find the right role for him, if they were to somehow trade for him, that I think it would be okay. Um, another player that has been thrown around is Anthony Duclair. That would be a nice little reunion. I think he's probably on the cheaper side in terms of the rest of the crop. Um, obviously, you know, he would probably slot up with Zabanajad and Kreider. He definitely has an engine. We saw it a lot when he first came oh, up. Oh, yeah, that dude is fast. And he, yeah, and fast. you know what? He, he, you know, from just from what I've seen, I can't go off any charts or anything like that because that's not really my specialty. His defensive but, metrics are terrible if that right. matters. But then, you know, Mika and Kreider kind of make up for it. So if he yeah. can add a little bit more offense and flair, you know, similar to the office space scene, um, you know, 30, you have 34 pieces of flair. We'll make the minimum 34 pieces of flair. Um, wow. So, <laughs> wow. I, I what a reference. I know that movie more than i need to but um yeah, that, that's like me and tommy boy i i watched tommy boy during the pandemic with my wife and i literally recited the entire movie beginning to end and my wife looked at me like i don't think i should have married you <laughs> it's so good though um at least office space is a classic well tommy, Actually, boy's, tommy boy's a classic too. tommy, tommy boy's, boy's no classic. slouch either i'm just gonna yeah. say that i love that movie um, so Duclair could definitely be a good option. And then I saw on one of Vince McCogliano's articles that Cal Clutterbuck would be an option, but I'm thinking, why? Like that dude, why would the even... Islanders ever trade? I know, especially was... since they're technically in the playoff race, right? What was it? Uh, I think the only time they've ever really traded with each other was uh, Yuri Niemi, a defenseman that didn't make the NHL. I remember that, that. Was it. I re- right? It was the that first was, time was... they've ever traded with each other. Yeah, and I, I think what that. was it? With, and then just to kind of sidebar that, I think that came before the Devils and the Rangers traded with each other, and I don't think they've really traded much with each other either, because the, the only time I could trade, yeah, the grab the trade with ended oh, up Vladimir getting, Malikov. The Rangers traded Mal. Was it Malikov during their 2004 fire sale? I think they traded with the Devils. One, oh no, that was the Flyers. That was the Flyers. Whatever. 
yeah same shitty uh, area same difference yeah so that's pretty much you know it obviously tyler mott is not being brought up because the bottom six is uh doesn't need secure. to help um, no and... i just want yeah, i want to go through the minnesota wild with you okay yeah no go ahead absolutely all right we've established Kaprizov and Boldy are not happening. Oh man. Let's assume Joel Erickson Eck isn't happening and his 17 years left on his contract. Um, I've seen this name pop up in my mentions way too many times. You're going to say, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Even though it doesn't make any logical sense to have him here for the next two years at 4.15 million, 4.125 million. Sorry. The man, the myth, the legend, Frodo Baggins, Matt Zuccarello. Matt Zuccarello. Oh. His name comes up in every single tweet I say about the trade deadline. You know, as I think about it, and it's funny you say that because I'm currently sitting in my room and uh, the Rangers back in 2008 or 2017, uh, they had this thing called the Rangers Rangers Town Homecoming. And they had ten home games that. in October, and they had ten games in October that year. That's when I really started going to games. And they had like these uh, giveaways. And when you mentioned Zuccarello, I looked up, and the thing that I see is uh, this is most likely team votes. And I'm looking at Matt Zuccarello right here, looking up at somebody, and I'm thinking, you know what, Dave? I would not be against that because you know why? I love that man. And what he did for this yeah. team. I wrote a whole. Oh, by the way, I yeah. wrote a whole thing about it before. If you want to check it out on the on the blog, I wrote a whole thing about Matt Zuccarello. I think you should take a look. Um, that would be perfect, honestly. If if the tag wasn't so much, and it doesn't make wanted, logical sense unless Minnesota retains. It doesn't so because good, those two years don't make sense. And it's so good, but, like just on a, like the vibes and a nostalgic yeah. uh, reason. Like, oh hey, look, Matt Zuccarello's back with the Rangers, and he's like. Uh, bumping, you know, bumping fists with Henrik Lundqvist before the game on MSG, and they're like, the vibes are immaculate. And Zuccarello scores like three hat tricks in a row, and they win the cup. You and know, that, wouldn't that be wouldn't uh, that be the story? Oh my god! And the chemistry with uh, Kreider and with Mika already exists. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of people tend to forget that, you know. Um, and his charts are still absolutely insane. Oh, 100%. but he is. He is powered a lot by power play production. So, grain of salt. He's also 36 years old, but doesn't have the same mileage as everybody else does. Well, he started when he was like 23, 24, just about. Later later than that, because Torch yanked him around for a while. He went back to Sweden for uh, Norway, sorry, for a bit. Yeah, he almost didn't come back because he hated Tortorella. Um, One more player. Yeah. So I'll finish up, and then I got one more player for you. Okay. So I was just gonna say uh, one one quick thing that comes to mind. Uh, so this was during I think the the season at, like it was 2018, 2019, and it was uh, right around the time they were starting to sell everything off. And uh, Zuccarello was playing on a line with Kreider and Zabanajad, and I think uh, Zabanajad got a hat trick against the Devils one time, January thirty first, two thousand nineteen. Look it up. I remember that day because it was cold. And it was like five degrees. And I remember going to the Prudential Center and seeing Zuccarello basically set up everything. And Zabanajad just popped it on net. And I forgot how good that line was together. And I wanted them to kind of keep him with that line together. So I wouldn't be against it. Minnesota, take all the money. We'll we'll help you out. And then we'll just keep him there and have him retire a Ranger. Shoot. So all right, what's funny your last enough, 
So funny enough, Minnesota actually does need cheap defensemen. So Robertson or Jones might actually work if Minnesota would really have to retain on him. But the name that I think is most plausible, um, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Zach Bogosian. Defense, 850K, pending free agent, has decent enough metrics and would be the more defensive-styled seventh defenseman that the Rangers lack. I like Zach Jones. I don't think he is the right seventh defenseman for the playoffs. I just no, I don't see it. Jones has to be. Uh, it's just the. It's not even starting or sitting. It's the role. Right. I think Jones does have to be in a more offensive role, and I just don't see that for the playoffs unless, God forbid, you know somebody drops a bowling ball on Adam Fox's head. I don't know. Knock on wood. I'm going with things that just aren't likely to happen <laughs> just in case. Like, I don't want to say gets hit by a bus because he does walk around the city a lot. So I don't know. That is true. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about Bogosian. And yeah, that actually would be a decent seventh uh, D spot. Uh, he can definitely fill in for Gus if something happens to Gus. I think he would yep. do well with Braden Schneider. I, I feel like uh, as much as I find Zach Bogosian annoying, I like his style of play. Um, did win a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay, if I'm correct. Um, it's definitely a lot better than Jack Johnson, at least. Um, not that I wanted him back, I'm just saying. Because um, we did have him, and he did win a Stanley Cup. So that's actually not a bad name. I'm surprised you didn't mention Ryan Hartman, because I feel like that's a name that I've seen Ranger fans bring up, too. You know, I think I'm the one that started with. that. That's true. You did. <laughs> that's why I was surprised you didn't bring it up. You know, I can't bring him up on every podcast, but since you brought him up, I love Ryan Hartman. He, he would be perfect. Center, he can play wing. He'd be perfect. He's got two, two, uh, one to three years left at a manageable cap hit. I think if Philip Heedle is truly, truly hurt and cannot return, Hartman is the guy you go after. But that's not something that would happen until draft day. Yeah. Um, I'd be perfectly happy with Robertson and a second for Zook and Zook at fifty percent retained and Pagosian. Yeah, you've got me on the Zuccarello train, and and, and I got everybody on the Zuccarello thing. Yeah, I got I mean, everybody I, on Zook. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It makes it no logical fucking sense at but it all. It weirdly works though, Dave. It weirdly works. You know. Does it? Does it? Does it, it does. Really? Yes, it does. A hundred percent, it does. But anyways, we can sit. That's like here saying and, and... season eight of Game of Thrones worked. Okay, no, 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 no. That's that. That's not entirely the same. No, Un- no, because at, at least Zuccarello was good with the Rangers. Season eight was just bad as a whole. You okay, know? fine. Wait. That's like season seven of Game of Thrones. No, a, a better comparison is it's kind of like the last season of Sopranos. The first part of the season was eh. The second part was the final season was great. Do you want me to leave end this podcast on a total what the fuck moment? I have never seen The Sopranos. Oh, Dave. Oh, I just I never had the time to sit with it. And now with two kids under three, I I, we've been on season eight of Suits for about four months now. (laughs) Excuse me. Two kids oh, under three is tough 
I okay, barely no, that's have time to watch the Rangers. That's And I just never yeah. watched the Sopranos, and I know I need to. Um, okay. Feel free to so yell at me in the comments, people. Okay, I'm not going to yell at you because, you know, obviously my situation is different. I don't have any kids right now, so I'm, you know, I'm more prone to having more time to do certain things. Uh, but I understand that because The Sopranos is definitely a lot to get through. But I'm just saying, Dave, if you get the opportunity to even watch it in spurts, so to speak, whether you want to watch it with, you know, your you know your family or whatnot, which I you know wouldn't really recommend. I'm not putting um, my three year old, my two and a half year old. No, no, not you're not your kids. You know, I'm talking about your spouse. You know, because <laughs> I know I know there's a lot of people who I know that want to watch it with their significant other. But um, if you ever get the opportunity, and and this is and this is also to anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it yet, um, it is a lot because there are um, episodes are pretty long, but they're not boring. And if you even do it in increments, it is worth it. It's the same thing with the wire. It's a phenomenal show. It's I think the wires a bit shorter, but they're all very well done. First, no, well, I've seen the wire either. Guys, give me a fucking break. No, right? look, give, okay, give Dave a break. Okay, he's he's old. He doesn't have enough Metamucil. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, outside of me goofing this around, the absolute darkest part of my ass. Uh, well, you're not the first person to tell me that today. Anyways, wait, I think somebody we've... else uses that phrase. Okay, that, well, that's not a conversation for this pod because we're like well, at some, an hour well, and a half already. <laughs> well, a phrase similar to that, let's just say. Right, Anyways, enough. enough pontificating about this. Uh, thank you again, Dave, um, for uh, joining me today. Uh, hopefully, Rob and Becky and the crew will be back on a future episode. But to those who are listening, thank you very much for taking the time out to listen to Live on the Blue Seats. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. The heck with you, Elon Musk. At Live on the Blue Seats, and you can find us all. Just go on Dave's Twitter account and find us all on there. Have a wonderful evening, and let's go Rangers. <laughs>